0: All right.
1: So maybe we'll just go through the, um, the information that the uh, Chemsex Task Force from OHTN put together, and we'll just have a link to Is the... Is that what they
0: called it? The Chemsex Task Force?
1: <laughs> I think so. Let me just see. I can't remember. <laughs> they called it the... Um... Oh, I don't know what they're called.
0: Let's go with that.
1: Um, think Tank. OHCN's crystal meth think tank.
0: Crystal meth think tank. That's yeah. what they call it Yeah, because the Chemsex t- term is I think we've, we've, we've Maybe watched a little bit of uh, Dave Stewart stuff. It, it's his,
1: not it's not spread eh? everywhere. It, not really them.
0: I mean, maybe it has a little bit, but I think that uh, I think that whole party and play concept I mean uh, There's the UK version of it and there's this it's the same thing But it just means different things to different people, but I like how they've you know, it's crystal it, meth think tank Let's let's go with it. Yeah
1: Okay So um, yeah, so I'll just sort of summarize the decks, and at any point you can just like tell me anything that you think would be.
0: You know, I will. (laughs) Okay.
1: So they when they were talking about um, crystal meth, uh, specifically with the gay bisexual uh, men who have sex with men. They were saying that the crystal meth use has increased uh, among the general Canadian population in recent years. Uh, they mentioned that people living with HIV have higher rates of meth use than the general population. And gained bisexual men who have sex with men who use meth, the substance use is frequently intertwined with their sexual lives. right? And uh, they define party and play as the use of recreational drugs before or during planned sexual activity to sustain, enhance, disinhibit, or facilitate the experience, unfortunately, you know when you read this it sounds like fun, <laughs> you know like uh, and uh, just the meth may be swallowed, snorted, uh, smoked, absorbed through the rectum, or injected uh, with the injection producing the most intense rush. Um, most people use for more than one method, and snorting and smoking are the most common, at least when they did this
0: yeah. Well, like any, you know, it's like, sounds like fun. Well, remember, like any drug, the first time, almost every drug, the first time, pretty good. Really, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, your first beer, your first line of Coke. You know, your first anything is, is, is pretty good. Yep. You know? now, although
1: the first cigarette and coffee. Yeah, well that's not. that that's yeah, that's, not, that's that's yeah. the outlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the other stuff, absolutely, yeah, it yeah, usually is good.
0: And then there's I don't know if it was chasing the dragon. It is the chasing expression. the dragon, yeah. right? Yeah, you could never get that uh, high again. Right, yeah, you never time. get that high again. But that first time, pretty good. And um, you know, and, and, and certainly for somebody who's, you know, lived in the you know, uh under with the stigma of being uh being gay. Uh, for their whole life, um, you know, and, and, and feeling awkward feeling out of place for a lot of folks that um, you know being um, th- th- These substances sort of make you feel kind of kind of not so awkward not so out of place Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of powerful kind of I look great. Look. Wow. I look so hot. i like, wow I've never seen these pecs look so good. Yeah, I'd like but they're to, the same pecs. They were the day before, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, no, it's uh, a friend of mine uh, was uh, saying that uh, for some people it just makes any shame go away yeah, it's so good. So any shame I like that, yeah. uh, go away, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, and you know, yeah. And when you think about sexual intimacy, there's so much vulnerability uh, linked with it. Imagine having no shame, right? But in a, in a good way, right? So, so in Canada, most of uh, the time when they party and play, it's linked with meth, uh, GHB, and uh, ketamine. And uh, a recent systematic review did find that uh, meth use was most uh, frequently reported uh, party and play a uh, drug. Mm -hmm. Um, contemporary geosocial networking apps like Grindr do facilitate uh, men's capacity to find and filter potential sexual partners for their interest in uh, party and play you can really find out what someone's into you don't have to worry about the third date and figuring out hey do you like this or not you know you can just do it right from the get go yep and um, now, an increasing, so not the, the campsites like I was alluding to, but, oh, I'm so ignorant, but the increasing proportion of group sex now takes place in private homes rather than public bathhouses or bars like they did in the past, and these apps really facilitate that. So if somebody has a place and they have the app, they can get a bunch of people together there.
0: Yes, they can.
1: Okay. In Ontario, it's quite difficult to estimate the actual uh, percent of uh, meth use among uh uh, gay and bisexual men who have sex with men. Um, the national estimates uh, compiled by Katie suggest that 5 to 20 percent of uh, this uh, group are involved in party and play. And a 2014 survey conducted at the World Pride event in Toronto found that 6.4 percent of the 8 to 900 Ontario men interviewed had used meth in the last six months. So that's like one in um yeah like one in 20. Yeah. Um and the most recent uh, data in 2017 uh, 2018 from 1700 Ontario men uh enrolled uh, in the European men's internet uh survey had about 7.7% reported using math in the last year. Okay. So we're getting closer to like yeah like 1
0: in, one 10. in
1: 15, 1 in 10, yeah.
0: And that 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 assumes that uh, I don't know how how uh you know how that, how those questions are asked. If there's other people in the room when they're being asked, right? I mean, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, there's yeah. going to be a factor. If you yeah. know, I'm walking down the street with my buddy, and you're asking me that. I would never do that. Math? Yeah. Are or you kidding? Wife, or with your wife? Or with? Yeah. yeah if, you're, no. if you're walking down the street at Pride with your wife, and they're asking that question. Yeah.
1: yeah no, we just want our kids <laughs> to be inclusive. You know, we just want our kids <laughs> to be inclusive. So. Um, yeah. So, um, so individuals with problematic meth use. Uh, they, they say it's a significant proportion of the LGTBQ, uh, uh people that are seeking substance use treatment. So, But I don't know what significant uh, means. And it also suggests that um, for HIV positive, again, uh, bisexual men who have sex with uh, men, based on the OHTN cohort study, about 9.6% of them reported using meth in the last six months. So people who are HIV positive... Are more, more...
0: likely to be in this group.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like... Yeah, but yeah, definitely more likely. And yeah, like it's closer to that 10%. Yeah. Um, so what does meth do in the body and the brain? So it increases dopamine in the brain, and it's a part of dopamine's re- the brain's reward system. So you get feelings of pleasure in response to triggers, uh, such as food and uh, sex. That's what dopamine does. I mean, it's also a drug of salience, right? It helps people decide what's important and uh, when. Um, but here they're talking more about that reward. And what um, crystal meth does uh, is um, well I mean here it says it blocks the flow of dopamine between the nerve cells, but really what it does is like you know you have your synaptic uh, bouton and you have that presynaptic uh, neuron, it increases the uh, firing uh, of it, it also is uptaked in the presynaptic one and then just it just floods your system because you have all these vesicles that have it uh, sort of in there, uh, and it keeps it sort of in the middle right it keeps it in the middle so it 's not um, Uh, The dopamine doesn't get taken back in and it says that he holds it there uh, for four to ten hours and uh, The sustained pleasurable dopamine response may be many times stronger than the brain's response to natural triggers so when you um, get like a high from like Doing a podcast together or like eating healthy food or like spending time uh, with your um, with your partner it's uh, it's doesn't it's not as Immediately rewarding as, as that and even compared to drugs like uh, cocaine it, it's more powerful And it depletes the amount that you have in the brain as well It contributes a lot to the crash afterwards that people feel after their session of uh, use and so it's uh, yeah It's almost like the you know with the alcohol they say, you know, you're um, You're having tomorrow's happiness today. You're borrowing from tomorrow. This is almost like extreme the higher uh, you
0: go the lower You fall
1: yeah, 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 that's exactly it. Yeah so with meth, it also increases alertness, confidence, energy level, uh, and sometimes it eliminates almost completely the need to eat or sleep. Yes uh, It can raise the body temperature, heart rate, breathing, uh, it lowers inhibitions, increases impulsivity, sexual arousal. Uh, and men often remain aroused without the uh, orgasm uh, as well. And 84 uh, percent of gay and bisexual men who have sex with men in one study reported marathon sex with hours of constant uh, interaction. Uh, It does, uh, it can impair the erection at times too, so it leads to erectile dysfunction uh, drugs or to have, um, uh, yeah, leading to the use of erectile dysfunction uh, uh, drugs or uh, to more bottom sex more frequently because it doesn't work as good as it used to before. And regular use can cause less dopamine to produce, it can cause anhedonia, which is just the lack of enjoyment and things you used to enjoy. And uh, after you've used it regularly, some of these deficits can last for like two years afterwards, Mm -hmm. which is a real uh, problem in recovery. Apart from the legal consequences in terms of risk, uh, it's been associated with other harms, including an increased risk of uh, HIV acquisition, along with other sexually transmitted and blood-borne infections. Um, It can increase the viral load of uh, people who have uh, HIV who use meth. And um, uh, there's also a risk... uh, that it uh, impairs people's well-being in terms of physical, mental, emotional and financial health uh, as well. So when you think about working with somebody who uses Crystal um, to party and play, you really have to also acknowledge the pros. It's not just like, oh, I just got got, uh, gonorrhea this weekend or I just got an STI. It's no, I had phenomenal, amazing sex and... I got the um, uh, I got the I got the sexual transmitted in infection because you don't talk about the good. Uh, it's almost like you're not going to be able to, to get to right. the other part. It's, of and it.
0: it's not just the sex; it's the connection, right? So you connected with people. You 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 were you had people in your home. You were in somebody's home. You felt like you belonged. You you had this. You know. You felt whatever you want to call it. You know. You you felt uh, you you felt needed you felt wanted you felt accepted. accepted and it that is a scary thing to try to replicate with something else right yeah yeah like what are you going to what are you going to suggest that as, a, as an alternate behavior to, 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 to re- replacing all those basic needs yeah. of somebody.
1: Yeah, and, and with the, with the, the, we talked about it, uh, reducing shame, right, in yeah. some way. And when you think about normal social interaction, normal social interaction can be awkward, right? Like, you know, what people are thinking, if they're judging, all that kind of stuff. Right. And it's almost like you can ignore the negatives when you're on these uh, these meds. But you're absolutely right. And, and Dave Stewart talks about it a lot, and we've talked about it too, where all of a sudden you're a part of something, right. you're part of a community. And that's why I think he was so explicit that you don't want to criticize people's means of connection. No. It's if there's harms, yeah, sure. Let's, let's If there's a, Yeah, let's talk about it and figure it out. But when you criticize someone's means of connection, you're not going to get anywhere else. And these people have already struggled with a lifetime of uh, judged, being judged, criticized, sometimes by themselves. Uh, for for those uh, situations, so the benefits that uh, for for PAP and uh, P are um, increased sexual arousal, pleasure, stamina, increases confidence, ability to have sexual adventures, disinhibition. It allows you to escape internal and external experiences of judgment around your desires, and it makes it easier to connect with the desired partners. And it, yeah, it's just like you said, the instant creation of the social network uh, as well. And before you start talking about harm reduction, uh, Dave Stewart and also this uh, think tank really say you have to take into account uh, what the, the drug is uh, doing for them. Because if you immediately go to the harms and preventing it, uh, you're not going to really engage in therapeutic uh, work because they're, they're going to feel like you don't get it.
0: Sure, but that's no different than treating somebody with alcohol. Right? You're not gonna the minute you meet somebody who's got a drinking problem. You're not gonna be start saying, "Oh, you know, have you thought about your liver? You know, and uh, does your wife like you drunk? You know, does uh, what about your kids? Your kids are seeing you intoxicated. Boy, aren't you ashamed? Don't you feel yeah, awful?" Yeah, it
1: wouldn't be the first thing. It wouldn't be the first thing, <laughs> right? right. And, yeah, and, so,
0: and it's not, you know, I mean, it's not. I mean, in 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 our theme of or in our version of addiction medicine it's not the first second or third thing really that we that that we would want yep. a clinician to be saying is that yep. you know bringing out all these negatives. So this is no different. Yeah, it's no so different, but when you look at
1: certain philosophies of care, so as you go through your MI modules, what you'll find is that with um, Bill Miller, he no longer recommends doing the, the pros, cons. So in the old MI, they used to have a two-by-two a two table where you yep. look at the pros for, like what I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it in another session. Um, and one of the reasons he stopped doing was because he doesn't want to talk about the good things of the substance use. For me, I always do. Like I, I always do because I need to know what I'm up against, and I need to find a healthy way they can have the similar experience, and I need to prepare them for the timeline required yep. for it. And with this, it's much longer than any of the other things, right? For that new healthy uh, healthy behavior. Right. So so I think like. Uh, I think as we start to become more skilled and adept at all these different philosophies, we'll know the strengths and gaps of different ones. And for me and you, because whether it's consciously or subconsciously, we've been very heavily influenced by the community reinforcement approach by uh, Robert Myers. We always think about what's the good thing about a drug, yep. right? But in terms of motivational interviewing now, sometimes they immediately jump to the the other part, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, so, but, yeah, but you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. We, we, like normally, the way both of us work, We need to know what a drug does for them, but we don't talk about it forever. We don't end the session on that. We make sure that we um, shift them over, right? So what else does it say here? Um, Yeah, and then the other part is for newcomers to to Canada, right? If you have a newcomer to Canada, maybe they're from a country where uh, it's marginalized, discriminated against, killed. You know, if you're you're gay, uh, all of a sudden you come here and you're connected, right? You're like, how do you take that away? And that's
0: not dissimilar from being from a town of 8,000 people, you know? You know, that's, there's a lot of that going on, too. I mean, perhaps you're not killed in Canada for being gay, but, you know, your, your life, can, you can be ostracized in a, no, in a major they, way. No,
1: the, the stories, when I hear them, they, they, they really hit, hit home because uh, I assumed that places were much more accepting much long ago. But that's not. clearly not the, uh, that's the case, not the case, you know. And and I think about myself, even in... Uh, I mean, I was uh, in high school in the 90s, right? And uh, back then, uh, there was maybe a couple of gay people uh, when I was in grade 9 or, or 10. The stories I know is that they were physically beaten several uh, times. Uh, I felt fortunate that uh, I didn't identify as gay or whatever, bisexual, whatever. Uh, and because uh, I was like, I wouldn't want to deal with that. And And if I did... I wouldn't, I would just be silent. I would just be, I'd be the most hetero person you could imagine. Like, you know, like uh, if, uh, like after, after having that uh, experience, and, and I didn't realize the impact it has on uh, people. True. And, and so you've
0: really kind of nailed it there, right? So you'd be so, so hetero as, as, as possible that you would actually get a wife and you might have some kids. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's, that's what you would do because that's what they and, ha- often happens. And
1: for me, that's what I would do consciously. Because I saw the... And, and it wasn't even as bad as it was in other areas, right? Like, I was in, I was in Ottawa. Like, imagine if I was in a smaller town. Yeah. Imagine if my family was super religious, right? And, and every now and then, you'll run into someone who's 40 or 50 or, or 60, mm-hmm. and they only realize then. So there, there's something going on where they just hadn't put it all together.
0: Yeah, I imagine if you came from a town of 7,000 people. Yeah, you seem like you know somebody who's... (laughs) I do know somebody like that, but let's not talk about him right now. (laughs) Yeah, uh,
1: definitely know someone like that, yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's it's one of those things where uh, we sometimes try to help the vulnerable. We put them into uh, buckets like, oh, uh, minority or female or this or that. Um, But everyone's individual story has uh, so much potentially uh, there, right? It's hard to uh, really quantify the individual's um, suffering and stuff. So in this think tank, they went through the treatments. They mentioned that there was really no major pharmacological one, and there still really isn't. There's a couple of signals in the literature, you know, uh, and, uh, but not a lot, and the therapy really included uh, MI, CBT, uh, the community reinforcement approach, contingency management, um, and uh, HQ Toronto is a place that I really recommend for, for people that uh, are undergoing this, but there's a few other ones as well, and they'll have all the resources uh, in the links that we'll, uh, we'll share uh, from the talk. Right. Oh yeah, so I won't list them list list them all at um, at this point, but but I think that was the uh, basics of uh, some party and play chemsex uh, things, uh, and um, maybe we'll stop here. And I've got okay. a few questions to ask you. We'll just do that in the next one. Awesome, thanks. <laughs>